Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. President Biden revealing a slew of new executive orders, which he claims are meant to curb gun violence. But will these executive actions actually save any lives? Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. We knew it was going to happen, right? The list of left-wing agenda items. Biden is going piece by piece, going down it and deciding that he's going to push and push. There's no unity. There's no coming together. It's we won, you lost, deal with it. That's the approach from the Democrats on everything, on immigration, on the economy, on you name it, including, of course, gun rights and the Second Amendment. So today, Biden announced a whole slew of things that he wants to do through executive order. Not even going to put this to the legislature, just want to have tyrant Biden making these determinations for people as if it's going to do anything other than harass law-abiding gun owners who have nothing to do with any crimes whatsoever. No, just make their lives more annoying, infringe upon their rights, and continue with the incrementalist creation of things like national gun registries and even more restrictions at the federal level that will filter down to the state level so that the Second Amendment becomes essentially a dead letter. That's the idea here. And you can say, oh, it, it takes time. Exactly. They've been pushing on this for decades now, as we know, and they're not going to stop anytime soon. Here are the Biden executive orders. Let's let's dig into this for a second. Tighten restrictions on ghost guns. We'll get into what that is a little later on. Create model DOJ red flag laws. Regulate pistol stabilizing braces. Invest in community violence intervention programs. Okay. Nominate David Chapman to lead ATF. Let's take these in reverse order, actually. David Chapman is a noted gun grabber. This is a guy who, as ATF chief, would be going after law-abiding gun owners in whatever ways would please the people in D.C. calling the shots. He's already a part of an organization that's been trying to restrict gun rights for a long time, and he's just going to be somebody that the Biden team can count on to harass you if you're a lawful gun owner. That's the point. They're going to pass regulations. It's not going to stop any crime. You know, we've had so much violence increase in the last year, and it has... Nothing to do with all these rules they're talking about. We can't even have a conversation, really, about where's all the violence coming from? Why did this happen? Oh, here's a hint. Probably because we threw law enforcement under the bus as part of a Democrat anti-Trump BLM narrative, and that resulted in the worst murder rate nationally in the United States since 1995. It's not because of ghost guns, folks. It's not because of the so-called Charleston loophole, which doesn't even exist. It's not because of the lack of red flag laws. That's not why gun violence is happening. But incrementalism, just, just tightening like a boa constrictor, tightening around your Second Amendment rights, that's the whole point. That's what they're doing. 
And here's Biden trying to take a, a constitutional approach to it. Yeah, no, nothing is absolute. Here's what he says. Nothing, nothing I'm about to recommend in any way impinges on the Second Amendment. They're phony arguments suggesting that these are Second Amendment rights at stake from what we're talking about. But no amendment, no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. You can't yell crowd, you can't yell fire in a crowded movie theater. We call a freedom of speech. From the very beginning, you couldn't own any weapon you wanted to own. Joe Biden is an ignorant buffoon. I, I really do mean that. I'm not saying that to get a rise out of people watching this or anything else. Joe Biden's an ignorant buffoon. He's citing fire in a crowded theater. He does not even understand that that Supreme Court case was an instance of suppression of free speech. People weren't allowed to pass out anti-war pamphlets, and the Supreme Court wrongly decided that those anti-war pamphlets were the, quote, equivalent of yelling fire in a crowded theater. Maybe he should actually learn his Supreme Court and constitutional history, but the guy doesn't know a damn thing and doesn't care. He also doesn't know very much about guns, the Second Amendment, and how these laws actually affect or don't affect violent crime across the country, but he doesn't care. Oh, and a side note, the only, the, the only constitutional right that's absolute is, of course, the right to abortion, which is neither in an amendment nor the Constitution, but Joe Biden, the devout Catholic, he really believes in, in that one. Yeah, he should be excommunicated. Conversation for another time. Uh, what he's saying here is essentially a non-argument. Well, you know, no, no right is absolute, so we're just going to start infringing on your rights. Why? What's the purpose? Show us the data. Show us how this would save lives or stop gun violence. We've got almost 20,000 homicides last year in the United States. How many of them involved ghost guns? How many people would have been saved if we got rid of the Charleston loophole? Because this mentality that the authoritarian Democrats have of if it just saves one life, it's justified. That's, that's the biggest gateway to tyranny imaginable. But that's, of course, what they want. Uh, but Biden's talking about the gun violence epidemic. And then instead of focusing on who's committing the violence, why is it happening? Why is law enforcement undermined? Having a real conversation, he's focusing on the inanimate objects that are in tens of millions of American hands right now, over 300 million lawful firearms in circulation. And he thinks that just by, what, morally blackmailing us, we're gonna give them all up? I don't really think so. Here he is on the gun violence epidemic. Gun violence in this country is an epidemic. Let me say it again. Gun violence country is an epidemic and it's an international embarrassment. You know, we saw it again last night as I was coming to the Oval Office. I got the word that uh, in South Carolina, a, uh, a physician uh, with his wife, two grandchildren, and a person working at his house was gunned down, all five. So many people, so many of the people sitting here today know that well. They, they were gunned down. Here's the individual. a former NFL player, uh, or an NFL player, Philip Adams, killed five then, then himself. So we're talking about guns. All right. Did he ha were the guns illegally purchased? Did he pass a background? How did he get the gun? If we're going to use gun control as the means of pretending that that would stop an individual like this, somebody who's allegedly guilty of multiple, now he's committed suicide, but committed uh, multiple homicides, can we at least know the circumstances of how this happened? No, of course not. Someone dies, someone shoots a bunch of people, 
And you, the lawful gun owners that are watching this, have to deal with not just, this is not idle harassment, by the way. When the government makes these executive orders, these changes, there will be people that have a problem all of a sudden that didn't before. There'll be people that will be on the wrong side of the law, could even go to prison for this. For what? Uh, well, it, it, ups, it, it, it excites the gun-grabbing authoritarian left, and that's ultimately what this is all about. If they had a good faith argument for how this would save lives, present it. Stop with the demagoguery. We've had this argument, we keep having this argument, and the left keeps losing it because the facts are not on their side, but they're hoping in this emotional moment, perhaps they can move, move things in their direction. All right, after the break, we'll take a look at some more details of President Biden's gun control. We'll get into the specifics of these executive orders with the editor of BearingArms.com, Cam Edwards. You'll know everything you need to know after this. Stay with us. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. want to rein in the proliferation of so-called ghost guns. These are guns that are homemade, built from a kit, that include directions on how to finish the firearm. You can go buy the kit. They have no serial numbers. So when they show up at a crime scene, they can't be traced. And the buyers aren't required to pass a background check to buy the kit, to make the gun. Consequently, anyone, anyone from a criminal to a terrorist can buy this kit in as little as 30 minutes put together a weapon. President Biden earlier today taking aim at so-called ghost guns, saying he wants to treat gun kits as firearms. Here to weigh in, we got an expert on this, Cam Edwards, editor of BearingArms.com. Cam, always good to see you. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for the invite, Bob. Okay. Let's, let's, let's take these, you know, it's, it's been one of these days, as you know, uh, we have these times where Democrats decide that they're just going to have this, this flurry of gun orders and they're going to do all these things on guns. And, and people even who believe in the right to bear arms, who, who follow this issue closely say, wait, hold on. Now we're focused on, you know, at one point it was bum stocks. Remember that? Now let's take this one by one. Ghost guns, Cam. Why is the president talking about ghost guns? What's the truth here? Why is there a focus on this? Well, the president is talking about ghost guns because gun control activists have been talking about ghost guns for about a year. That's their latest scary term, by the way, and it's their latest invented term. Uh, What they're actually talking about are home-built firearms, which are perfectly legal in this country and always have been. We have a tradition going back that predates the founding of this nation of people building their own firearms. And as long as that gun doesn't enter the stream of commerce, as long as you don't try to sell that gun, then, yeah, you're absolutely allowed to build and own one. Uh, what Biden wants to try to do, though, is to make it more difficult, if not impossible, to do so, right? He wants to require background checks on the sales of unfinished frames or receivers. That's the actual part of a firearm that the uh, ATF defines as a gun itself. Uh, and so uh, you can buy, as Joe Biden said, kits that have uh, frames or, or receivers that are not completed, uh, and you finish them off yourself. And the ATF has said, that's perfectly fine. 
Uh, now, Biden wants the ATF to redefine what a firearm actually is under federal law so that things that aren't a firearm are considered a firearm. You'd have to go through a background check. Again, they would have to be serialized. Uh, and who knows what this would mean to the Americans who currently own a home-built firearm? Would they be allowed to keep them? Or would uh, you know this new uh, action proposed by uh, President Biden, would it turn them into criminals? I, I, I think there are a lot of unanswered questions here. Pam, as we have with so many of these things. So, so now, okay, so we've established what this ghost gun term is. I had honestly not even heard this until recently it's come up with, as you said, some of the activists and people that want to do gun control, because it's not really a thing, right? They've created this new scary term, as you point out. Is there any evidence that, that there are a lot of ghost guns that are being used in violent crimes? Is, is, is there any reason to believe that if they change the law so that you could no longer build a firearm? I'm assuming prohibited possessors can't build their own firearm. For you know, If you're a felon, you're, it's not like this is legal for you, so there's still laws that all apply. Why the focus on this? Is there, is there any evidence to support that this would actually result in less gun violence? No, there's no evidence at all. I mean, look, we know the vast majority of criminals. There may be some criminals out there who are building their own guns, but we know the vast majority of criminals acquire their weapons illegally, right? They steal them. They get them on the black market. They have a friend or a family member go and buy that gun legally uh, and then give it to somebody who's prohibited by law from possessing them. That's how criminals are getting a hold of guns. And nothing that Joe Biden talked about today would actually do anything to address violent criminals who, as you say, obtain a firearm illegally and are in clear violation of the law. This is a broad net cast over legal gun owners in the hopes of catching a couple of criminals. Uh, and it's the wrong way to go about it. But I think the real intent here is to make life more difficult and onerous for those Americans who want to exercise the right to keep and bear arms. I got another one here. This one actually from Merrick Garland, uh, the attorney general, talking about AR pistols now. This is what he said. Some individuals purchase certain kinds of stabilizing braces that when attached to a pistol effectively convert it into a short-barreled rifle. A weapon that is, in the words of the statute, quote, intended to be fired from the shoulder. Such braces make high-powered pistols more stable and accurate while still concealable. Okay, so what what's going on here, Cam, with the the, the like the mega the mega pistols with the brace that's concealable, but now more deadly, even though it's firing the same bullet, the same speed of bullet. Ex explain what's going on here. Well, what's going on here is a backdoor gun ban, uh, and it's plain and simple. Yeah, you know, right now AR style pistols are currently legal to own. Uh, the ATF uh, basically has had guidance that says, look, if if you attach a stabilizing brace to that AR pistol and you use it to shoot from the shoulder as opposed to actually using a stabilizing brace against your forearm, um, that could turn that gun into a short-barreled rifle, which would be required to be registered under the National Firearms Act. Note, though, the language is could, right? What Biden and Merrick Garland want to do is to simply declare that the 4 million or so AR-style pistols that are legally owned in this country are all of a sudden, they're all short-barreled rifles. And everybody has to register those guns under the National Firearms Act. And if they don't, they could be looking at a decade in federal prison, a $100,000 fine, and obviously a felony conviction on their name for simply maintaining possession of the gun that they currently own without registering it with the government. Now, there's not a lot of evidence that uh, these firearms are used in a lot of crime. It looks like, unfortunately, the, uh, the shooter in Boulder uh, may have used one of these uh, types of firearms. But, Buck, look, we know we can't ban our way to safety. 
We know this. The number of homicides in which a rifle of any kind is used in this country in any given year is about half the number of deaths due to fists and feet, right? You know, just simply uh, using our own body as a murder weapon. So I reject wholeheartedly the idea that we can address effectively public safety by trying to buy, uh, by trying to ban this gun or that gun or a stabilizing brace or make this illegal and that illegal. We know what the answer is. The answer is targeted deterrence to focus on those individuals who are the most likely offenders, and frankly, the most likely victims of violent crime. These individuals are well known to law enforcement. Most of them already have criminal records and there are proven programs like Project Ceasefire that have a track record of success at reducing homicides by as much as 50% in cities where these programs have been put into effect. Biden and Garland are ignoring these programs and again are instead trying to restrict the rights of legal gun owners. Cam, I got one more for you. We only got about a minute though, but I just, please tell us the, the truth of the Charleston loophole claim that Biden brought up today during the speech, you know, that, that background, the background check change that they want now. What is it? What's the reality of it? Well, first of all, there is no Charleston loophole. The uh, killer in Charleston got his gun because the government failed to do its job, failed to report prohibiting factors to the National Instant Check System. That was what happened in Charleston. And what Biden is talking about is actually extending the time period that the FBI has to conduct a background check. Right now, they've got three days. Biden would like to extend that indefinitely. Uh, to at least 10 business days. But if the FBI doesn't come back to the seller of that firearm after 10 days and says, okay, you're good to go, that gun store owner would then have to petition the government in writing to actually sell that firearm. And you can imagine how long that would take. So again, it's not anything that criminals are going to be impacted by, but it will prevent law-abiding Americans from being able to exercise their right to keep and bear arms in a timely fashion. Cam, always appreciate you joining us, my friend. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Buck. Cases of COVID-19 continue to rise in a number of states with strict lockdowns and mask mandates while they're dropping in states that recently lifted restrictions. The whole thing has the so-called experts scrambling for an explanation. Your correspondent for TheFederalist.com, David Marcus, joins us next to talk about this and more. Call it a COVID conundrum. In states with the strictest measures in the country, like Michigan, Pennsylvania, and much of New England, cases are on the rise. While in the South, states like Arkansas and Texas that have reopened businesses and ripped away mask mandates are seeing their numbers drop. Oh, yes, it's all such a big mystery once again. States with strict lockdowns and mask mandates are seeing a rise in cases, while those without those things are seeing a drop in cases. The state of Michigan, for example, is currently the biggest hotspot for new cases in the U.S., and it has some of the strictest COVID lockdown measures in the country right now. On the other hand, Texas dropped its restrictions almost a month ago, and the Lone Star State has seen a continued substantial decline in cases. The experts are supposedly baffled by this and are scrambling to find an answer as to why their predictions of doom for anti-lockdown states have never materialized. Here's the theory they might consider. Maybe lockdowns and mask mandates aren't as effective as they insist and have been insisting for a year they are. Well, to give us perspective on this is the New York correspondent for TheFederalist.com, uh, David Marcus, and he's also the author of a new book out, Charade, The True Story of the Coronavirus Crisis. There we go. David, much anticipated. Thank you so much for joining us, man. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. I, I mean, it's gotten to the point now where it's almost like an SNL sketch, except it's 
deadly serious and resulting in a tremendous amount of pain, misery, unemployment, lost businesses and destruction uh, in general, and, and, and all the psychological baggage and, and damage that's been done here with lockdowns, they're surprised. I mean, when you ask Fauci, you ask all these experts, how is it possible that a month ago it was Neanderthal thinking, according to Biden, to get rid of some of these mandates, and the places that get rid of them are doing better. The places that keep them are doing not just worse in terms of not going down, they're going way up with cases. What's happening here? I mean, I don't know about you, Buck, but I feel like we've been having this conversation for our entire lives now. Um, I mean, this is this is just wait two weeks all over again. I mean, if you recall from, I believe it was April, April of last year, uh, when governors Kemp and DeSantis were going to open up Florida and Georgia, and, and you know, we were we were told that uh, this was human sacrifice. We we were told by by the Atlantic magazine. It's a year later, and 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 it's exactly the same thing. I mean, it's it's absolute madness. And I think the longer it goes on, and the farther we get away from from the beginning of this, uh, the more absurd we can see that it is. I mean, remember, don't touch your face. Remember when that was our big response to a public I remember health if crisis we just washed our two weeks? If we washed our hands enough, we were going to get these things under control. That was, yes, I remember it, that. Yes, yes, or use your use your elbow when you open the door. I mean, it, it, it's it's insane, Buck. And, and of course, then, you know, of course, Fauci looks at these numbers and says, oh, well, it's confusing. I, I mean, it, it's time for the American people to be done with this. I know we've said that for a long time, but it really is. I see. Yeah, for me, the, the last straw with all this was when after for months I'd been saying, they're going to say double mask, I guarantee you. They're going to go with double mask. And then they finally did right around January. I said, okay, anyone who doesn't see it now is incapable of understanding what's, what's really going on here. I mean, I know you've written about this in, in, the, in your book, uh, uh, Charade. And, and what do you think now, what is the, the turning point? What has to happen for people to understand that if we continue to allow the people who have been making these decisions to do so, we are going to be dealing with this for the rest of this year, and even Fauci has said, probably deep into next year. When do people realize enough is enough? I think there's two, I think there's three groups of people, right? I think that there are the people like you and I who have been fed up with this basically since it started, right? And then I think there are, there are people of goodwill in the middle who have legitimate fears and concerns but are open to the reasonable arguments that we're making. There's also a significant portion of the population that, for whom this has become a religion, um, that they are never going to give up. I mean, if you've invested a year of your life barely leaving your house and double masking and, and believing everything that these people said and inconveniencing yourself and, and, and probably depressing yourself in, in, in enormous ways, I think you're so invested that that they're never going to give it up. Um, I think you and I should expect to see a significant number of people wearing masks in the street for the rest of our lives. I think there are going to be people who wear masks for many years to come, even when they're, even when COVID becomes, and let's assume there aren't the variants. And we, we keep hearing about all the variants. You can name the variants against whatever, or name the variants for whatever country you want. That's not racist. But China virus, of course, is, is evil and racist. I mean, the whole thing, they, they, change, they move the goalposts so much, it's dizzying with every aspect of this. Uh, but but on on where this goes, I mean, I think you're right. There are people that are open-minded about it, uh, and, and I, I hope we can bring enough of them over to our side. But then there are also those folks, you mentioned the, the religious believers in, in the kind of mask faith or whatever you want to call it. And, and there's now, there's actual evidence and there's actual articles, I should say, analysis being written 
about re-entry fear. And I think this is another part of this people don't understand. There are some folks for whom never having to socialize, never having to really leave their homes except to get food, living online, having food delivered, and being in their sweatpants all the time, it's a lifestyle that they don't want to give up and or they're just concerned about having to re-enter society. I mean, the Wall Street Journal wrote about this about a week ago. Yeah, and, and let's not let's not forget that there are also big tech companies that stand to gain absolute windfalls uh, from people who who you know take that point of view. I mean, all of these tech companies that are prov- not only providing people you know with, with their needs who refuse to to leave their homes, um, but anticipating those needs. I mean, this kind of atomized society is not a lose lose situation. There are winners. Uh, big tech is the big winner, and guess what? Uh, in in a large way, they're also the people who are controlling the information. So um, it's a it's a pretty tightly tied knot, isn't it? And we also have today. I wanted to get your take on this. You're here in New York with me, and have been one of the few voices I could count on to speak some sanity, not just about the lockdowns, but about some of the people in charge of all this. Governor Cuomo today comes out in the New York Post that that his New York State administration tracked nursing home deaths months before. The incomplete report. Essentially, for those who are wondering, Cuomo absolutely knew that the numbers of nursing home deaths that he was going public with while he was taking bows, while he was getting ready to get his Emmy, while he was writing books on leadership, he had he had perpetrated a fraud against New York State. Do you think that this is enough to finally get this tyrant out, or do you think that he stays? I mean, I think unless the legislature removes him, he stays. I don't I don't see what he has to gain uh, by resigning. And it doesn't seem to be in his personal nature. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, this 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 wasn't a secret. Um, it wasn't until the New York attorney general came out with her report that was so damning and, and made things so clear that the mainstream media was able to get on board with this. But we've known we've known for months. I mean, people like Janice Dean have been talking about this, uh, you know, since since May or June of last year. Um and it's disgraceful. I mean, Cuomo's entire handling of the coronavirus was just a, a, a baffling, awful disaster. And the fact that the media held him up to be the most competent man in America is, is you know, incredibly damning of them. The book is Charade, the true story of the coronavirus crisis. David Marcus, thanks so much for joining us, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Buck. Got new numbers from Border Patrol that show the agency experienced more than 172,000 migrant encounters at the southern border in the month of March alone. That's five times the number of encounters as the same time last year. Former acting CBP Commissioner Mark Morgan joins us next to discuss. New heartbreaking images coming out of the border yet again. Smugglers abandoned two small children ages five and six years old. Agents said they found them crying all alone at a remote section along the U.S.-Mexico border with their mother's phone number written on their arms. These are only two of more than 20,000 unaccompanied minors currently in custody at the border, a crisis quickly turning into a catastrophe. Joining me now to discuss former acting CBP commissioner, Mark Morgan. Mark, thanks so much for being with us. You bet, Buck. Anytime. So right now we we have new numbers and give everyone a sense of just where we are month to month from February to March in terms of illegal crossings overall, unaccompanied minors. What is the data telling us? Yeah, so there's two specific data points, and I'm glad you mentioned that because it's not just about 
the increase in overall encounters, right? So just from February to March, we saw those numbers shoot up almost 80,000, 80,000 from month to month. But it's not just the overall numbers, it's the demographics behind those numbers. What we're seeing now is a shift from single adults, which again, our system, our policies are more aligned to address. We're seeing that the, the numbers of unaccompanied minors and families skyrocket. And it's already in the first few months of, of this administration, we're seeing those numbers get closer to the to where they were at the height of the 2019 crisis. Look, from, from March of this year, from last year, we've seen a 400% increase. This time last March, the 33,000, this March, 172,000. I can tell you one thing, uh, it, sure, it sure as heck is, is not seasonal. Now, we also saw this number from the administration that they're saying 60% of people are being turned away. Can you get into who's being turned away at the border and how can they get to that 60% number? Because it seems like you have very large facilities overflowing with people and that all these anecdotal stories are that people are being released at bus stops and, and you have recently crossed over you know, illegal entry immigrants who are just free to go into the American interior. So who's actually not allowed to stay? And how's that working? Hey, look, this, yeah, uh, Buck, again, a great question. This administration really should should uh, put on a magic show, right? Because this is all about misdirection and spin. Right now, they're, they're able to barely hold on to that. Who, they're, who they are right now removing are single adults. And removing that, by the way, under a Trump era policy, Title 42, the CDC authority to prevent the further introduction of COVID-19 into our country from outside our borders. So that's another little nuance, dirty little secret that they're not wanting you uh, to know about. But if you're an unaccompanied minor, you are coming into this country. If you are a family, the overwhelming majority of families which are, are coming across in Texas, they are being released in the United States. And as I said, the unaccompanied minors and family numbers are starting to creep up and catch up to the single uh, uh, adults. Pretty soon, they're going to overcome the single adults. And not only will you have that demographic being released, but it'll end up being the majority of people we're encountering will, in fact, be released into the United with, States. With the family units. We know that unaccompanied minors, and the administrations had to say this, unaccompanied minors are led into the United States, right? They, they aren't turned away now in any significant numbers. And that's led to an enormous uh, surge at the border. With family units, what would get a family unit turned away? Right now, it's really being driven by geographic location for the most part, because Title 42 technically right now still applies to families. But because this administration has caused an unbelievable crisis level numbers in, in uh, families and, and minors and really total numbers, is the Mexican authorities now are overwhelmed. Heck, but we're overwhelmed. So we shouldn't be shocked when we create a crisis and then Mexico becomes overwhelmed. So in the Tamaulipas area, which is you know adjacent to our Rio Grande uh, sector of Valley, uh, McAllen, uh, the Mexican authorities are overwhelmed. So they're not taking families back. They don't have the capacity. So now what that means is we're overwhelmed and that's how now families are being released. And right now, but uh, uh, there, there's a good chunk of uh, families that are being released without even a notice to appear. How does, now, two things. Sorry, there's, there's so much here because, you know, we, we get your, your point about the magic show from the Biden administration is well taken because they'll put out some number and we know it's very, very broad, doesn't seem to add up. And then when you dig into it, sure enough, it turns out there's some misdirection going on here. Uh, first off, tell everybody what Title 42 is. And then I want to ask you about this not getting a ticket to appear. But, but first, Title 42 and the, and the pandemic, what, is that, what does that mean? 
Yeah, so this is a very key uh, uh, authority that, that was started by the Trump administration. Is Look, look the CDC, not, not, not CBP, CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, said that, look, for those people that are illegally entering, because, hey, they, they travel through COVID hotspots or kept in overcrowded, unsanitary stash houses, that when, once they come across illegally, to further reduce the introduction of COVID-19 in our country for those coming across illegally, they gave us the authority to not bring them into our facilities to apprehend them on the border, process them, and return them to Mexico. And we were doing that about 95% within a couple of hours. Now, because of the crisis level numbers, well, first of all, this administration removed that for, for kids. Even though kids can, can carry a COVID as well as an adult, they removed it for kids automatically. That's why you're seeing the, the skyrocket number of kids. But now again, like I said, Mexico's overwhelmed. So now, Title 42, although technically it still exists, it's not being applied to families because Mexico's overwhelmed. We have uh, the White House currently, through the press secretary, Jen Psaki, pointing the finger at the previous administration on this. I want to have you react to this, Mark. Here's Jen Psaki today. First, we can't overstate how complex this challenge is. Uh, the prior administration did not have a system in place to track the children and parents who were separated. They also, of course, separated them themselves. But the task force has been in place, as you know, for about two months. The focus right now in this period of time has been reviewing thousands of records uh, and uh, a significant number of issues uh, have come up in these existing files. What do you make of that? Buck, again, it's more misdirection. Look, what she's referring to was, was the zero tolerance policy, where you're looking at a, a couple of thousand, almost three years now. It's been almost three years ago, and which Trump, their executive order, ended that. So, so we need to keep that separate from that very narrow policy with that narrow set of individuals uh, that, that, that were separated to compare it to what was actually happening. Those are two separate things. Again, under Title 42 in, the, in the, the, the last year of the administration because of the global pandemic, we were removing all, everyone, adults, families, and unaccompanied minors. But here's the truth, is we were expending an exhaustive amount of funding and resources. But let me talk just about the unaccompanied minors. We were, every single unaccompanied minor we got, when we returned them, first of all, we chartered a, a, a airplane, similar airplanes that professional athletic teams charter. Right, so so we flew them back on, on incredible airplanes, and we coordinated with the host nation. They knew who was coming in. We helped the host nation to make sure they had the capacity to receive the children back to their country and wait for it. And that country reunited them with their family in their country. That is the truth. That's the fact. Everything that she's saying is misdirection to go back to that that zero tolerance policy. She's not being honest with the American people. Where does this go from here, Mark? You know this stuff backwards and forwards. It seems like I've been pointing to the incentives here. If somebody wants to skip the immigration line, come into the country, if they're either a parent sending an unaccompanied child or if they come as a family unit, seems like they're going to continue to get into the interior of the United States overwhelmingly. Is that likely to change anytime soon? And what does that mean? No, it's not. And you're spot on. Look, it's common sense. Look, if you have a strategy which you're going to release, protect from deportation and reward, I mean, who wouldn't come, right? And we saw that. And then the Trump administration, we saw a reduction of 75% of families and unaccompanied minors because we were actually apprehending, detaining, and removing. And now all of that has been obliterated by this administration. But look, make no mistake, this is their strategy. Look, their strategy is to uh, release people who come here, actually encourage, incentivize, and facilitate. And I believe they're being complicit in, in completing the smuggling chain, 
right, and allowing people to come in. And then they removed ICE, 90% of ICE's authority on the back end to remove people lawfully and create a sanctuary country. Look, you know, I've been doing this for a long time from a from a you know a sovereignty perspective, a law and order perspective, national economic security perspective. But it makes no sense. The only is, thing is this, Mark? We, we got to go, but I just need to know: is, is this the worst the border's ever been? It is the worst the border's ever been. Oh, well, we're gonna have to have you back as we continue to see this play out. And as you know, I'm heading down there in a few weeks myself. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Buck. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo was recently accused of giving preferential treatment to family members for COVID testing in the early days of the pandemic. His explanation is not due to many favors. We've got that story and more coming up after the break in Quick Hits. Governor Andrew Cuomo still trying to answer questions about whether he gave preferential treatment for family members. And President Biden claims commercial planes will soon be able to travel 28 times the speed of Speed of sound, Joe Biden. Big, if true, those stories in quick hits. Let's get right to it. Let's start, let's start with Cuomo before we have some fun with, with good old Amtrak Joe. When, when, when trains will be able to go 5,000 miles an hour. Uh, here, here you go. Cuomo talking about intervening to help his brother get preferential treatment during the early days of the pandemic when it comes to COVID testing. Peter, the assembly is uh, looking at the testing issue, and I don't want to get ahead of them. Uh, but I was not involved in, uh, in the testing program to that intimate, that intimate level. Uh, people who I would meet with uh, and I would be in exposure with, I was aware they were being tested. So if you came to see me in my office, uh, you would be tested. Uh, and that applied with my family also. But the assembly is doing a review on that and uh, I would let them do it. I don't believe him. I mean, let's remember, this is the same guy who just came out today was actively hiding the nursing home numbers, meaning that they were, they were specifically tracking out of nursing home deaths and then just presented the in nursing home numbers from COVID, knowing that they were giving a false picture. And yeah, now, now we're going to believe him on this one. I don't think so, but he is dug in, and he's not going to move anytime soon, I can tell you that much. Then there's Amtrak Joe, who, is he even really running the country? You wonder who's actually pulling the strings. Conversation we'll have to have another time. But here he is on how fast planes will be going soon. Tell the kids, the young people who work for me, <clears throat> for all my kids, when I go on college campuses, they're going to see more change in the next 10 years, and we've seen in the last 50 years. We're going to talk about commercial aircraft flying at subsonic speeds, supersonic speeds. Be able to figuratively, if you may, if we decided to do it, traverse the world in about an hour, travel 21,000 miles an hour. Really? <laughs> We're going to go around the whole world in an hour? Joe Biden says so. Sure, sure he will. Um, I, I wonder what they're going to say about this infrastructure situation that's just going to be too much even for the Democrats because they're getting close. As you may have noticed, yesterday we talked about how Kirsten Gillibrand believes that childcare is infrastructure. Oh, okay. 
taxation is infrastructure, what you put on your bagel in the morning is infrastructure, what you watch before you go to sleep at night is infrastructure, you know, on the TV, whatever. It's all infrastructure. It's all the same thing, sure. <sighs> Until we finally tell the lockdown tyrants that enough is enough, they're going to keep doing exactly what they've been doing. I think it's important for everybody to know that, to remember that. And here is, uh, for example, what happens in the U.S. right now that we should encourage, in my opinion, when a health inspector comes in and is trying to harass a restaurant that's back up and running. This is the proper, this is the proper way to handle these things. Hostility to bureaucrats. Amazing. That's the only way we get our freedom back, by the way. R refusing to go along with this nonsense anymore. Refusing to, to play their game. Deciding that enough, enough is enough. Uh, one more interesting note. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner, who holds some conservative views, Caitlyn Jenner may actually run for governor of California. Now, I will say this right now. Uh, uh, Caitlyn, in my estimation already, would be a substantial improvement over Governor Gavin Newsom. Not that that's particularly hard to do, but I do think that Caitlyn Jenner should get a serious look. I believe Caitlyn would do a better job than the current governor, so at least it would be an upgrade for the state of California, which it, it could certainly use these days. All right, that's it for tonight's Hold the Line. We've got the No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly up next. Shields high.